smart firefighting world. What's going on? Really exciting podcast today with the CEO and founder of Data Chief, Michael Heifetz. Michael is going to give us some context on how he himself is a volunteer firefighter and experienced firsthand the problem of centralization of data. We're going to learn about what Data Chief does to combine government data that exists out there, along with different grassroots information that is obtained via digital and paper data input methods. We're going to learn about how Data Chief strives to be the Zillow for first responders to make this information more accessible for first responders, not only for full-time first responders, but diving into the issue of how volunteer firefighters deal with data overload and interpret data when they're arriving to a scene. Uh, Then we're going to dive into how Data Chief is a tangible community risk reduction activity for the entire community. It can hopefully in the future help lower different ISO ratings. We hope you enjoy listening and take care. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to the Smart Firefighting Podcast. Today, we have the fortune of sitting down with Michael Heifetz, the CEO and founder of Data Chief. Michael, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for having me, Kevin. Of course. I'm glad to be on the pod. So for those of us that don't know you or the background of Data Chief, how did you get into this and how did you start Data Chief? So I, I've been a volunteer firefighter uh, up in New York for about the 12, uh, last 12 years. And after college, I was working on Wall Street. Uh, and this was around the time when my department and a, and a bunch of departments in the area started integrating technology into their response framework. Um, everything from hardware and software in the apparatus, the chief cars. Uh, and what I realized is I was working in tech and as departments started actually installing these things, uh, they were often overlooking the most important step, which was the underlying information. Uh, technology's whole purpose is to relay information to the end user, so the officer in the front seat can make a human decision. Uh, we saw, however, that this information wasn't being centralized nor made available. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, the concept was kind of solidified the hard way for us. And a few years ago, we were operating at an early morning structure fire when the roof collapsed. Six of us were transported to the hospital, Luckily, no one was critically hurt or anything, but uh, what I started realizing post-game was that there was information out there that could help prevent this from happening. Unique construction information, uh, real estate information about the house being for sale, uh, and even input from the resident, which was unfortunately shared a little too late. All these key pieces of information were siloed. Um, no one was assembling them. No one was getting the knowledge in front of first responders. So about a year later, we started Data Chief. Fantastic. So you talk about some of these different data sources and some type of centralization of this data. What is this? What are the inputs of data that you are capturing and then ultimately centralizing? So we're able to then, again, relay that data so we can make a better decision. So it's a, it's a great question. Taking a step back, very simply, our mission is to close the information gap that exists in emergency services by connecting residents with their first responders. So simply put, we work with fire, police, EMS, and local government to help them pre-plan every address in their district. Uh, and we do this by pulling large amounts of government records and combining those data points with the detailed information surveyed directly from residents. Uh, so if you think of us as building Zillow for first responders, to kind of more specifically answer your question, what data we're looking for, what data we're collecting, the way I like to phrase it is A, very simply the information that first responders want to know while we're while en route to an alarm, and B, it's the same information that residents want their first responders to know in case of an incident at their own home. 
So as I said, we start with government records, uh, pulling stuff from the assessor's office, the building department, GIS information, and, and any other agency that may have useful data. Uh, this, gives up, this gives us size of information, uh, the type of construction materials, building permits, if a homeowner has installed solar panels or even a generator. But the most important step and where we're really identifying our value is in connecting directly with homeowners to collect the detailed information that really only residents can provide. Are there senior citizens that need extra assistance during an emergency? Any occupants with special needs? Uh, children with autism? What about pets? Uh, who, who are your emergency key holders and contacts? By combining the details surveyed directly from residents with a treasure trove of government records, it allows us to build comprehensive emergency pre-plans for every address in a department's district. So then how are you getting that data from these individual households? It's a very good question. Um, so two ways. Residents can submit information online. Uh, we manage a, essentially a survey. Uh, we help departments boast about it, get the, get the message out there. And additionally, uh, they can also submit information via direct mail survey that is sent to every address. Uh, it may seem odd being on a smart firefighting podcast talking about paper mailers, but senior citizens, for example, they're 4.1 times more likely to be injured in a fire. They're not completing something through Instagram. This allows departments then to also attach paper surveys to Meals on Wheels food delivery. Schools have placed them in backpacks, and then we manage all the information. Okay. Yeah, I mean, sometimes the most basic solution is the best technology, and I think for data collection, I mean, we're just looking to get the data. So is the, the value prop to some of these homeowners is that, hey, if you were to be in a disaster, us having this information that you're comfortable with is going to allow first responders to respond better or what other type of incentive would a homeowner have to provide data? So the, the, what we've been very happy to see is that residents are excited to share this information. Um, it's, there's no pressure. They could feel whatever they could share, whatever they feel comfortable with. But a, a good example is kind of this information, uh, has been used from everything uh, for everything from the typical residential structure fire to larger scale natural disasters. So Hurricane Florence and Hurricane Harvey are good examples just recently where you had people tweeting at the Houston Fire Department, my grandmother's stuck at 31 Richmond Street. She's confined to a wheelchair. Please help. She's unable to evacuate. What we're building is uh, a mechanism for residents to share this information and first responders, fire departments, police, EMS, and even offices of emergency management to use this information. Uh, a good example that we've recently uh, had with one of our clients in New York was during a recent snowstorm. Uh, the snowstorm made large parts of their district inaccessible due to down power lines and trees. Uh, they had information uploaded for into their software platforms uh, to be available if they were dispatched. But we also offer kind of a web-based solution where OEM command centers can view this, filter the information, sort it, and map where every one of their at-risk residents is located. So when the power goes out, they can see uh, any residents that rely on a medical device that requires power. In this example, there was a 99-year-old senior citizen whose home health carried wasn't able to access the town, couldn't get there because of the road closures. So they, uh, eventually she had to be evacuated. It's very simply a way to see who needs help in your community and where they are. I love it. And yeah, I mean, a lot of it, we're inundated with data now, but sometimes we really just need to be able to have access to the most 
well, accessible data, but then most relevant data. And I love your statement on closing the info gap that exists. And really in a real-time fire situation, you being a volunteer firefighter, you know that sometimes you don't have a lot of time to make a decision and you don't have a lot of time to interpret data. So you kind of need that data in front of you so you can make the best decision that that you need to at that point in time. Definitely. And it's important to remember that 70% of America, uh, 70% of firefighters are volunteers. And whether it's you're in the middle of a family dinner uh, or it's 3 a.m. and you're sleeping, when you get out of bed, it's it's a little different from working at a firehouse on a, on a shift where you got to kind of sw- uh, flip a mental switch. And you pull up, you have a lot of information uh, to have to quickly digest. But unfortunately, a lot of that information, you have to guess. You have to guess how many residents live there. You have to try to figure out what type of construction this is. And the whole point of this is to answer those. The, the information is out there. And what we're working at is assembling it, turning the data, and refining the data into usable information and getting it where first responders need it. Wow. I actually never really considered that mindset of how different it is from when you're at the fire department station ready to go compared to really living the volunteer firefighter life where you could be at dinner with your family and it truly is flipping a switch. And again, it is data overload. So how do you give yourself the best opportunity to take all that data to then do your job better? Um, so I think that's really seemed to be one of the foundational pillars of how data chief brings value. Yeah. And, and on top of that, no one knows a town better than its police officers, its EMTs and its firefighters. Um, and the best part of this is when we work with an office of emergency management and all those agencies are participating. They're all feeding information in and, and keeping this pre-planned database alive. Um, when you So if an EMT crew or a police officer goes on a call and sees something, they can then share that information with their fire department. Uh, and it's not just looking at how many calls one agency does a year. It's how many all the first responders do. It's, it's building actually providing a platform to build institutional memory yep. for an entire town. I love it. So who's using it now? You mentioned some departments in New York. Uh, give me some uh, current users of it and maybe a case study of how Data Chief is being used in the field today. Yeah, so we've worked with, we're based uh, just north of New York City, and we've worked with fire departments, ambulance corps, police departments, uh, office of emergency management, and local government. Uh, and the best projects are when all those agencies kind of come together. It helps them share costs, but but as I just said, it, it, it helps kind of information dissemination. Um, we're so far things are going well, and the information we've collected uh, has kind of just proven itself and sold itself. Uh, we're expanding to parts of New Jersey, all the way up to Vermont. Uh, so the the nice thing is, as I was saying, collecting and starting with a framework of, of government records and public data. You're able to build a pre-planned framework for every address. But what's where we've really kind of found our value is uh, the detailed information that residents submit. So right now, our batting average is 26% of, of addresses submit a pre-planned form in the first year, about half direct mail, about half online. And having a, a quarter, over a quarter of your district sharing pre-planned information is kind of it, it's uncharted territory. It's a massive leap forward in an agency being able to not just pre-plan their whole district, but with legitimately detailed critical information. 
this is kind of a general question, but I'd be interested to think in 20, the rest of the year and moving forward, how can we increase that number from 26% to 50% or 75%? And have you thought about different incentives to provide homeowners just beyond the fact that they'll be safer if a disaster were to happen? Yeah, so there's kind of two answers to that. Uh, the first one is just getting the word, the word out there um, at, through local community groups. Uh, we're, we were really happy to see 26% in year one. And, you know, part of that is when people, uh, four out of five responses share an email address. So it's important to move those individuals from a, uh, anyone that submits via paper to a digital relationship because it's, it's easier to communicate with them and, and, and it's cheaper. Uh, for everybody involved, but the 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 other aspect of that is uh, trying to get this to all pay for itself. So, in a community's ISO rating, for example, uh, this you get up to two point five bonus points for community risk reduction activities. Uh, and there's another category, uh, full ten points, that this also kind of fits into. And even if extensively pre-planned community bumps your ISO rating even by half a point or into another category, this pays for roughly five times itself just in the money that um, residents uh, can save in their or in their uh, fire insurance premiums. Mm -hmm. That is a slow and longer process. Uh, so that's something we have to spend more time documenting out as we go. But it's it's definitely an area where there are more synergies that we're trying to expand to. Yeah, I love it. I mean, anytime that you can really showcase a direct cost savings ROI, especially when it's tied to lowering insurance premiums, that's where you're showing to the community that this is a good investment of public dollars because not only is it bringing its value, making it safer, but we're paying less insurance and everyone likes to pay less insurance. Exactly. And, you know, the, the best parts knowing that there's a, a an occupant with difficulty moving or special needs is is tremendously helpful but where we've actually seen the most side comments on their surveys or or legitimate inner, you know, public relations with with residents has been them just happy to know that we know they have their their pet or their dog is at home um one of our actually best submissions just to kind of highlight the public relations aspect of it isn't something as critical, but there's a, a mother submitted information about her child with epilepsy. Just even if it's a mundane automatic residential alarm, showing up, turning off your lights on approach, that little, you know, those little things show you connecting with your, your, your residents, your constituents. Um, and it's just, it's how technology can improve um, the emergency response. Yeah, I mean, it's those little things that make all the difference and really show that the fire departments and the first responders really care, uh, which is, as you said, they, they know the community best and they, they want to do their job as best as possible, and Data Chief gives them a tool to do that, uh, which is something I really admire. And and so you, you mentioned kind of creating this aspect of Zillow for first responders, but what have you been integrating with other software platforms or do you kind of see this as a standalone software service or kind of what's the approach now or do you, what do you, how do you see it moving forward? It's a great question. and something that we try to constantly ask ourselves. Uh, so one of the ways it's developed is, uh, and one of the things how it's been easy to, for departments to integrate 
is that we don't go in saying you have to you have to switch from your software product to ours. So we work we'll do anything to work with um, an agency and and having partnerships in the software space is really helpful. This uh, getting our information into the products the software platforms that agencies also already use and for agencies that don't or clients that want both uh, both tools. We offer a web based platform uh, where they can view. Uh, filter and then map all this information uh, where it can be used both in the field or back at headquarters at a command center during a, a larger natural disaster. So offering both those options and a flexible approach uh, has proven really helpful. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And so what's what's next for Data Chief in 2019 and, and moving forward in 2020, 2021? Expand. Uh, we're, we're going through a round of funding right now uh, to continue building out our product and our team, uh, while at the same time uh, we're continuing to connect with software providers and streamlining how we merge information. Uh, we're excited about kind of expanding where we're going with this, and what we're trying to build is something that the smallest department in America could use along with the largest. Uh, just making it flexible so any agency from EMS to fire to police, even uh, an OEM could can use this across its entire entire department. It's fantastic, Michael. Well, from having that volunteer firefighter perspective, I think that's given you a lot of insight to really understand the need and build the value proposition. And we're really excited to continue to learn more and collaborate with you moving forward with Smart Firefighting. And we wish you all the best moving forward. Sam, you, I, I love what you guys are doing. And uh, it's, it's where this not just the fire service, but emergency services in general is going. So thank you. Thanks and, for having me. And if, if people want to learn more about you or get in touch, what's the best way for them to do that? Datachief.info. Datachief.info. All right. You heard it here. Michael, appreciate it and look forward to next time. Thank you, Kevin. Really insightful podcast with Michael just here, and we hear about a lot of these companies doing different aspects of how they're interpreting data and bringing value with data. But what I like about Michael and his company efforts is that, one, he himself is a firefighter, so he's felt the pain, particularly with volunteer firefighters, which make up the majority of firefighters in the world, particularly in America. They have such a different way about approaching fires because they're not in the fire department just waiting there and studying and, and having different access to all these resources, but they're at home with their family or it's 2 a.m. in the morning and all of a sudden that, boom, I got to flip on the switch and I need different aspects of data that's going to allow me to know who's in this building, how many people, are there dogs, anyone with special needs, and some of the little things, just inputs of data to have where if someone has autism or someone has epilepsy, where, hey, just turning off the lights or making sure we're approaching in a way or just knowing those little things can really make all the difference, especially during a time of crisis. Um, definitely check out datachief.info. Michael's got a lot of good insight. They're, they're quickly growing and excited to see where we're going to be going in 2019 moving forward. So again, check them out, datachief.info, or hit us up at smartfirefighting.com. Slide to the DMs. Hit us up on Twitter, Instagram. Look forward to your thoughts and feedback, and we hope you enjoy Keep it real.